Salutations, fellow Earth dwellers. You are listening to ST Radio with Keyshawn and we are here on this lovely morning to talk about whether sports all-star Michael Dwayne Vick and whether he is seen as above the law due to his athletic ability and fame. If you were like Patrick Starr and have lived under a rock for 20 years and have no clue who Mike Vick is, we're going to give you some background information. Athlete Michael Dwayne Vick was born on June 26, 1980 in Newport News, Virginia, the second of four children born to Brenda Vick and Michael Bodie. Michael Vick grew up in a tough area of his hometown, a place dominated by drugs and gang activity. Despite their surroundings, Brenda and Michael ran a stable household. Michael, a sandbox at the local shipyard who played football in his youth, seems to have had a special premonition about his son. According to one account, upon Vic's birth, his father cradled him in his arms and took him outside and held him up toward the nighttime sky. Behold the only thing greater than yourself, he then said, repeating the words Almaro spoke to his son, Kuta Kente, in the movie Roots. Like his father, he who gave him his first football at the age of three, Michael Vick showed an early talent for the game. At Warwick High School, Vick grew close to football team's coach Tommy Ramon, a former World Football League star. Ramon pushed Vick to work on his passing skills and hit the weight room to add bulk to his skinny frame. Played by a weak offensive line, Ramon encouraged Vick to take advantage of his blazing speed by scrambling, turning down an offer to go to Syracuse University. Vick chose to stay closer to home and signed with Virginia Tech in nearby Blacksburg. There, the highly touted Vick did not disappoint. After redshirting his freshman year, the 19-year-old quarterback led the Hokies to an undefeated season and a spot in the Sugar Bowl, where they fell against Florida State in the national title game. Vick was named the Big East Offensive Player of the Year and finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting. Scrambling out of the QB pocket and imp- improvising the team's offense, Vic flourished under his coach's tutelages and by his senior year. Vic, who throws left but is right-handed, was considered one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country. I believe quarterback superstar Michael Vick is not above the law because he was held accountable for his actions and was used as a poster boy for the crimes of dogfighting, which showed his fame was used against him rather than for him. Animal fighting has been brought to the forefront of the nation's attention by the highly publicized commission of NFL superstar Michael Vick and his three associates on federal state charges related to illegal dogfighting. Vick and his associates operated aptly named Bad News Kennel, which housed and trained over 50 pit bull dogs, staged dog fights, killed dogs, and ran a high-stake gambling ring with purses up to $26,000. The exposure of the Bad News Kennels helped alert the nation to the viciousness of dogfighting that is commonplace in many communities, even though dogfighting is outlawed in, outlawed in every state, and to some extent by the federal government. To read about the new laws and tougher penalties that have been enacted in the wake of Michael Vick, see the Animal Defense League Defense Fund's Animal Fighting Facts. The Michael Vick case illustrates many attributes common to dozens of organized dogfighting cases the Animal League, the Animal Legal Defense Fund has seen over the years. This shows how he was used as a poster child when the organizations that committed the same crime were not as publicized, so he was the one to suffer. After his three co-conspirators pled guilty and began cooperating with authorities, Vic also pled guilty, admitting to funding the dogfighting operation and the associated gambling operation. He admitted to knowing about four dogs that his co-conspirators killed in 2002, and he admitted to agreeing to the hanging and drowning of six to eight dogs who underperformed in 2007. Vic admitted he provided most of the operation and gambling monies. But he claimed he did not gamble by placing side bets or receiving proceeds from the purses. 
Under the sentencing guidelines for this crime, most first-time offenders would have received no jail time. However, Chuck Rosenberg, the U.S. attorney who prosecuted the case, described the behavior as Vic, Peace, and Phillips as heinous, cruel, and inhumane. So he required that they accept provision in the plea agreement that they understated the severity of their conduct and that the sentence subs substantially above what would otherwise be called by for by the guidelines would be appropriate. Rosenberg recommended 12 to 18 months in prison rather than zero to six months. Co-conspirator Tony Taylor was not included in this recommendation since he was the first to plead guilty and assist in the investigation. A sentencing hearing was scheduled for December 10, 2007. The NFL suspended Michael Vick indefinitely without pay after he is freed from prison. He could be reinstated. Two other football players defended Michael Vick and ridiculed the idea that dogfighting is a crime. In an interview with Wavy TV, Clinton Porter said that if the Atlanta Falcons quarterback is charged and convicted of being involved in a dogfighting operation, then authorities would be putting him behind bars for no reason. I don't know if he was fighting dogs or not, Porter said, but it's his property, it's his dog. If that's what he wants to do, do it. Porter said that dogfighting is a prevalent part of life. Porter, a native of Laurel, Mississippi, added, I know a lot of backroads that got a dogfight if you want to go see it, but they're not bothering those people because those people are not big names. I'm sure there's some police got some dogs that are fighting them. Some judges got dogs and everyone else. Politicians added Chris Samuels, who found it hard to keep from giggling while Portis was talking. His presence added Portis with a laugh. A witness told federal investigators that dog carcasses were buried on their property. A federal investigator then asked local authorities to execute a search warrant, but they did not. After waiting for a week, officials with the U.S. Department of Agriculture executed their own search warrant and found the remains of 68 dogs in two mass graves. A month later, on July 6, federal investigators executed a fourth search warrant. That's all I have for now, folks. I'm going to pass it on to Sean. Thanks, Keyshawn. I do concur with your statement that you that you made saying that athletes and in today's special case, quarterback superstar Michael Vick are not above the law. As a matter of fact, I believe that in some cases, the status that professional athletes carry actually worsens their cause. Uh, just to recap Michael Vick's case, um, this is courtesy of an article by history.com. He was accused and pleaded guilty to, or before a judge in, a jury, judge and jury in Richmond, Virginia, to a federal felony charge, which was related to running a dogfighting ring. Michael Vick's involvement in this dogfighting ring was the property and funds that he supplied to his associates. Michael and three other men, Pernell Peace, Quanis Phillips, and Tony Taylor, were all charged with engaging in illegal competitive dogfighting and the act of obtaining and training pit bulls in order to compete against each other, and as well as carrying this ring across straight state lines. Uh, this dogfighting ring was known as Bad News Kennels, as Keyshawn mentioned before, and it was a brutal organization that would let dogs viciously fight each other and sometimes execute the worst performing dogs by drowning, electrocution, or hanging. Uh, at first, all four men pleaded not guilty to these charges, but Vic's three associates later changed their plea and were willing to testify against Vic, claiming that he participated in the execution of the dogs, bankrolling, gambling, and contributing funds for the organization. Vic eventually pleaded guilty to one account of conspiracy to travel in interstate commerce in aid of unlawful activities and to sponsor a dog in an animal fighting adventure. Vic likely would have been put to a 12 to 8 month, 18 month sentence based on the suggested federal guidelines, but based on his previous failure of a drug test and a failure on a lie detector test about his involvement in the execution of dogs, he received a 23 month sentence in federal prison.
He later filed for bankruptcy while in jail and later pled guilty to dogfighting charges and received a three-year suspended sentence. Because of this tenure, he was suspended from the NFL and released from the Falcons. But when he came out of prison in May of 2009, he was able to get reinstated and signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I believe this is the way it should be. I read an article the other day when we were researching this called by Kyle Gustin titled, Should Convicted Criminals Be Allowed to Compete in Professional Sports? And he sh- I read When I was reading, he brought an interesting perspective on how we should handle athletes in crime. His thought and analogy was that if an accountant loses his job because of a crime that he commits, he can easily lose his job. But if he does lose his job, he can go find an accounting job at another company should they wish to hire him. He's not permanently banned from being an accountant. And I believe this is the same way that we should handle professional athletes in sports, just like we handle jobs. If an athlete commits a crime, a team has the option of letting that player go, and that's their decision. But if another player should want to go for that player, they should be able to. It should be no different than any other workplace. Uh, Kyle also brings up another good point as he talks about the Adrian Peterson case and his abuse scandal. And that is that no two people will ever view a situation from the same perspective. Um, and talk, when talking about the Adrian Peterson case, he says that um, he saw news about the scandal and heard radio host Boomer Isaiason say, quote, I don't bring upbringing as an excuse. Peterson is 6'1", 220 pounds, talking about hitting his four-year-old son with what is known as a switch. I never even heard of that until the other night. It's a tree branch that parents use to whip kids. I found it so reprehensible and I got emotional and very intense about it. It's no excuse in my eyes. However, Peterson defended himself by saying, I'm from the South. I understand Boomer's rage and anger, but he's a white guy and I'm a black guy. I don't know where he's from, but I'm from the South. Whipping, we do that all the time. Every black parent in the South is going to be in jail under those circumstances. I think the question about whether Adrian Peterson went overboard, wait. Listen, Jim, we all grow up in different environments. Every black parent in my neighborhood in the South would be in trouble or in jail under those circumstances. Peterson brings up a valid point about how a person's upbringing changes how they think about the world and how they view discipline in cases like these. But like Peterson was saying, if he would be going for jail for whipping his son, then most other Southerners would be in the same boat. But it's amplified for Peterson because of his celebrity status. If he hadn't been so famous, it's likely that this story would never have been known, or at least not blown up to be as popular as it was nationwide. Um, Relating this to Vic, I think we can all agree that the dogfighting and execution execution of dogs was an immoral and heartless act and as phenomenal of an athlete that he was his legacy will forever be tarnished in the public eye due to his off the field associations but even still his job should not be treated any differently than an accountant a construction worker or a cashier being a professional athlete is just as much of a job as all these other professions the only time where I can see a ban from the NFL or any other professional league at that would be in such extreme cases such as murder, where someone is going to jail for decades of life, decades or even for life. Uh, athletes should have to pay the consequences of their crimes just like everybody else. I do understand how people could see athletes who have paid their way out of the sentences, but I don't think that has anything to, to do with the fact that they're athletes, just the fact that they have money. Uh, anybody with money, athlete or not, famous or not, can do that in most cases. But to suggest that athletes are above the law is not a supported accusation, in my honest opinion. And I even think that in their cases, their platform as a professional athlete is a detriment to their case, as we see with Michael Vick. The fact that it was known that Mike, that Vick had previously failed a drug test for the NFL ended up giving him one and a half to double the federal guidelines for, what the, for the crime that he was convicted of. 
And as much as people hate some of these athletes and never want to see them allowed to compete again, which is a very understandable sentiment, professional sports is the livelihood of these athletes. It's how they make a living and provide for their family. And to wish for that to be taken away from them, I believe, is quite unfair. Okay, I think that's enough for me, and I think we're running out of time. Great discussion, Keyshawn. Glad to, ha- glad to be here. Thanks for the appearance, Tex. It's been a pleasure having you today. Um, we would like to thank our producers, Lane Refrigeration and Waz Incorporated. Tune in next year to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, O.J. Simpson, who was found not guilty of murdering his wife, which, uh, you know, some people do say his fame struck him. So join us next year to find out, was he above the law or not?